ladies, this is Jessica Iterole. And I'm Barbara Saunders Livingston. And we want to welcome you to the Seeking Holy Podcast. A podcast for women seeking Christ in a challenging world. As you listen, we hope you'll be encouraged to open God's Word to seek Him and strengthen your abiding relationship with Christ. Whether you find yourself with plenty of time or not enough time, pour yourself a cup of coffee, grab your Bible, and join us for Seeking Holy. Praise God. Welcome to the next part of this series. I'd like to open up with a verse, Romans 5, 5, that says, Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Praise God that hope doesn't disappoint. And as we enter into this next section where I want to talk about a very difficult time in my life, Once I was a child of God and I stepped out of obedience into disobedience of God and lived in this period for a time, and it was a very difficult period, the love of God that has been poured out into our hearts, according to Romans 5.5, is that a pouring out in your heart or is it a trickle? See, once we become a child of God, we have this opportunity to grow and to get to know the Lord and to abide in Him and Him in us, and it's a process. So we have the love of God poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which was given to us. You know, every believer should have some experience of this, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit of of God in our hearts, a deep inner awareness of God's love for us and a desire to abandon all things and to pursue Him. And I just want to raise the question, this love of God, is it poured out in our hearts or is it a trickle? Because God wants us to know the outpouring of His love. Unfortunately, it took me some time after my salvation to fully connect the dots and to get this, especially in a personal way. And although I do believe that earlier on, I did genuinely have a conversion experience where I asked Jesus into my heart. I repented of my life. Um, A few years down the road, I began to drift And the Lord had some lessons in there for me. I certainly believe I could have learned those lessons without my disobedience and my sin. But thankfully, the Lord did pursue me. And I do believe God does that. We have the Bible that gives us example after example of God pursuing us. However, when we come to the Lord, In repentance, and that transformation happens, we are forever changed. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. And my account is specifically after that, the Holy Spirit convicting me, me pushing it down, the restlessness that ensued for quite a period of time, and God dealing with that. And I'm so glad that he did. I would never want to relive any of that again, but I'm so glad that he did. So without further ado, we're going to get right to it. Over the years, I grew in God's word and 
We had also decided, my husband and I, that it was best for me to stay at home to raise kids. And I struggled with significance for quite some time. And Barbara spoke on significance in her amazing testimony in episode two. But my understanding of my significance in Christ did not come quickly for me. Uh, With Barbara, there was a very defining moment. And I know um, as she explains it, it wasn't just that everything was easy and smooth sailing, but afterwards, but that there was a defining, a very clear defining moment for her. And my testimony doesn't quite come that way. It's a bit bumpy. There's quite a few bumps. And uh, looking back, I think it was partially because I didn't understand it enough Frankly, therefore, I was not satisfied with the answer of what my significance was, who I am in Christ. And I don't know whether it was I was looking for some very grandiose, very specific thing, or if it was a bit masked by just feeling that I was always invisible and not usable, probably a combination of both. But as I grew in the word, um, I knew I had this little fire inside of me. You know, I think of this little light of mine. (laughs) I had this little light inside of me that I wanted to share. And I was still pretty young and I wanted to do these big, in my eyes, these grandiose things for God. And I felt a calling from him, but I couldn't define what that calling was. And for me, I was in such a hurry just to get to the calling. There has to be a road that travels uh, that gets you there. And I think of speakers on the platform, let's say women on the platform speaking to women uh, when I was a very young person and I would think in my mind, oh man, I want to do that. Not that I wanted to exalt myself, but I just felt like I just wanted to just encourage women and and just help them and and help them see what I see and what you know all these valiant things that we think in our minds you know it's so funny peter gets a lot of bad rap a lot with his uh zeal and his well meaning but often gosh he just gets in the way of his own self that he misses the point And um, I can identify with Peter a lot, um, the mistakes that he made, the pain that he felt and the zeal and just God taking him through this whole process of failure, uh, lots of blunders, but to be used by God in such amazing way. You know, the Peter that we see early on is somewhat different than the Peter we see in Acts and, and moving beyond. But um, I can really identify with that because I've made a lot of blunders. And in this time in my life, I made a lot of blunders in in, um, hope to um, do something for the Lord. And I was just in a hurry. And there was a lot of things that I didn't understand um, in my walk about myself. And that was the thing to see women on the platform and their testimonies and amazing stories. I had to come to a point where, and it wasn't until years later that I understood that, okay, before you can write the book, before you can tell the story, the chapters have to be developed. And there are just times in my life where God was writing the chapters 
You know, at 24 uh, years of age, there's not as much that's been written yet. And for some 24-year-olds, there's quite a bit that's been written. I'm not saying that you have to be a certain age for that to count. But in applying for me, there was still a whole lot of chapter writing, uh, scene development before I could be used by God and, and a lot of work to be done in me. So I remember early on wanting to do so much, not knowing what that was. And I just felt like I was hitting a lot of barriers to doing things. And now I know that's the Lord. He wanted to train me. In addition to that, there was a lot of research, a lot of studying. And in this process, I prayed the most terrifying prayer. One of the most chilling statements that even to relive it and and to share it with you gives me such fear that I actually prayed this. And then the events that occurred after this prayer, I'm not proud of it, but I think it's very important that I share it. In research and reading and um, just wanting to do something for the Lord, I felt like I was being set apart for something. And I think we all are set apart. We're told that we're set apart for God's use. And that varies in what it looks like and how little, how big. It's all extremely significant. But just like how I described the void that I had in my life, earlier in my life, I could not identify or define it. So the prayer went something like this. I said, thank you that now because of all of this, I know so much And Lord, I know too much that I'll never turn away from you, that I've gone so far I could never turn back. I thank you, Lord, that you've given this to me and that now I could never leave you. Doesn't that sound a little bit like Peter? I'll never let that happen to you. I'll never deny you. That is the most terrifying prayer I've ever prayed because it revealed so much. And the Lord began to slowly lead me down a road to show me, oh, yes, You're capable of doing many terrible things you never thought you could do. You've never learned too much. On this side of heaven, we've never learned so much that we couldn't forsake our God. We're always a moment away from making a decision to lead us down the path. And I know we've heard things like the frog in the boiling water, right? If you put a frog in boiling water, he'll jump, he'll seek to get out because it's very, very hot and uncomfortable. He knows he's in danger. But if you put a frog in a pot that has room temperature water in it and slowly bring it to boil, he'll not leave because he won't realize what's happening to him. And that's exactly how I would set the scene for what came to pass afterwards for me. So early after my conversion, I felt this great ambition for ministry, and yet I couldn't define it. And I searched for ways to lead. (laughs) And again, by the way, I was in my early 20s. And in my eyes, it just wasn't happening fast enough for me. I've demonstrated I'm I'm an action-based person. My mom will testify. I learned to run before I could walk. And that has been the theme of my life. Had and still continues to graciously train me, to slow me down and, and to be wise with things. But anyway, still I'm... At this time, I was living my life that this wasn't happening fast enough. So it must not be true. I believe these lies that the enemy fed to me, lies that I believed my whole life. And it was that everyone else gets a turn and they get to do this. They get to do that. They get blessings and opportunities and people love them and follow them. But this is not for you. You do not. 
And I truly began to believe that. In addition to that, there was a slow process of a burning out for myself in my, in my personal life that I had created, you know, when my husband and I got married and I became a full-time stepmom, I, I just had this attitude of, I need to do everything and I shouldn't ask for help. And, uh, you know, I lived away from my family and my husband's family. And since then we became military. So that's just kind of the thing you get used to. Uh, doing things on your own and needing to do the things on your own. You just have to, and you don't ask for help. But even to the point of thinking that any break that I took was selfish, that I basically created myself as a martyr. Like I need to be everything and do everything and anything I ask of myself, even to, to leave the house for an hour or two is selfish. I'm such an advocate for a, a good godly balance with that now, you know, that, that we do have priorities. Remember early in episode one, we talked about establishing priorities and uh, our time with God is number one. Our time, our husbands, if applicable, is two and three is our children and uh, ministry and work fall in fourth. Well, everything was just, everything was first priority, you know, and I was basically stomping myself into the ground. So I'm just headed towards burnout and over time of years of this. So I'm fast forwarding through several, several years of this. And of course, we became military. My husband was gone for a while. That was new for me. We were trying to sell a house. Um, the market was upside down. This is like 2008, 2009. All these things I'm taking on myself to do. And in a way, I was creating hardship for myself. Also creating a false sense of reliability for my family. You know, telling them everything's okay and not asking for help. That's not very fair to anyone else. They can't read my mind. Just getting to this place so past burnout and saying yes to everything and always saying no to myself, just honestly thinking it was selfish. I felt at a certain point I was just going to have a breakdown of some sort. I, I remember driving several times. I'd just be thinking I'm going to have a mental breakdown. And I'm a pretty level person. I don't get that way very easily. I'm usually a go with the flow, you know, very calm and in difficult situations, even keeled kind of gal. But um, at this point of just years of this and no break whatsoever, I'm thinking, okay, I feel like I'm just going over the edge, but I don't know how. What constitutes a mental breakdown is what I used to think. Well, what is the definitive? How far do you go? I didn't want to do anything crazy or um, detrimental, but inside I was just so desperate. But on top of that, so this is going on while, you know, I have this desire to do something and that's just ingrained in me. And eventually, because I kept hitting barriers with that also, I began to believe that God didn't want to use me for his ministry. And again, now I understand that I needed to learn, I needed to mature, be trained. But at that time, I could only translate it or interpret it as rejection. And I had never come to fully connect the fact that God loves everyone and loves them personally. 
So this is also going on, this very specific personal love. And instead, I saw it as, you know, God loves you, but he loves everybody. So you're unique, just like everyone else, right? Yeah, he loves you. But yeah, of course, he loves you because he loves everybody. My takeaway was what's so special about that? What's so great about that? And I just couldn't connect the personal intimate aspect of it. And so all of this happening began to grow slowly, like that frog in the pot, just anger and resentment and confusion. And I spent a few years angry at God and it showed up in everything. I was angry at life like especially approaching my 30s, okay, well, I didn't do this that I thought I'd do or that that I thought I'd do. I thought I was so ambitious and I've done nothing but sat at home and had babies, which I love my babies. But there is these thoughts like, should I have done this in a different order or what? And I was angry at my husband, my husband for not doing what I didn't tell him that I didn't, that I needed in the first place. Um, angry at myself. And see, when you're bitter, especially with God, everything suffers. It starts in the small spot on the branch of the vine, and then it begins to spread. And before you know it, the branch begins to dry up. Stay tuned. We'll be back right after this brief message. Looking to take your Bible reading to a deeper level? Check out the Blue Letter Bible, an online Bible-centered resource of study tools linked directly to Bible passages, including commentaries, encyclopedias, maps, images, and much more. Your daily Bible reading will come alive as you explore the context of passages by expounding upon text and audio commentaries, search scriptures, and examine the original meaning of Hebrew and Greek words utilizing the lexicon feature. So, if you're wanting to dive deeper into understanding God's Word, download the Blue Letter Bible app or visit blueletterbible.org. For years, I flirted with the cares of the world. This is when I got into travel journalism. And of course, you can't see that on video because it's very lighthearted and it's lifestyle stuff. But I I practically went from being a full-time for years stay-at-home mom to studying uh, journalism, uh, travel journalism specifically, and developing this TV show that I basically exalted as an idol and dumped it on my family. Like, look, I did this for years and never asked for anything. So deal with it and support me in this and then be upset when the support wasn't there or there was confusion. Like, who are you? What's going on? I created this thing that became my idol. And in my way, I had this idea of, God, you didn't want to use me. I was willing. I said, send me. I prayed that prayer. Lord, here I am. Use me. And you rejected me. So I'm not going to sit here and wait for you to maybe or maybe not or decide if you want to use me. And so I took it in my own hands. I'll go be ambitious. I'll go find success. And that became my God. And yes, I flirted with the cares of the world, that whole chasing success. Um, It was about me and my dreams. And I wasn't just going to sit around with no purpose, no direction. I was going to live. And all the while wrestling inside with this perceived rejection I had. And you know, I look back. 
of what God has done. And I see myself and I get angry at myself. Like, how could I be so ungrateful? And how could I have been so misguided? And I'll go back to that frog in the pot. And daily I'm reminded of the fact that if the adversary can just get us to look away enough just to get one degree off course, if you're one degree here, I think that's some sort of naval concept. I don't know much about the Navy, but I think of that, you know, a year later, we may be 20 degrees off course and a year after that, 70 degrees off. And if we're not careful, we might find ourselves thinking and considering, contemplating and even acting on things we never thought we would. And may we make no mistake, our hearts are carnal. And if we begin to distance ourselves from God, we will gravitate to sin. If we think we're above that, somehow we are treading on dangerous ground. So I would continue to pursue this TV lifestyle, networking, uh, just looking for accolades anywhere I could find it. And of course, I would come home and my life at home just in comparison seems so boring. It was such a lie. You know, eventually I came to see, and I'll talk about that, how uh, coming home was so precious and how God just turned all that around and cut it out of my life. So I pursued the accolades from the world and I wanted riches. I wanted fame and recognition. And to an extent, I got that, but I still felt empty. Furthermore, I was disobeying God. I was pursuing things. I completely was cutting him out of my life, pushing it down. And there is something that happens that when you belong to God, that the Holy Spirit indwells you, and yet you are being disobedient to God, and you know it. There is no doubt in my mind that I belong to God when I made those decisions. I knew it. And the evidence was there in the wrestling, the absolute misery of living that life as a believer. My pastor often makes a statement that stuck with me. He says, God loves us where we're at, but he loves us too much to leave us there. I'm so thankful for that. You know, in those years, I felt that and I pushed it down. And yet God chased me. He sent people to plant seeds in my life. And I could sit and tell all kinds of amazing and chilling stories uh, of that. He sent warnings. He sent nightmares. He sent reminders and even somehow blessings. And I wrestled. Matthew 6, 24 says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. I can testify that I have lived this. I know it is true because for months I internally wrestled and it is the ultimate feeling of restlessness. There is no escape. There is no peace until you repent. God will not have it. You must kneel. When you belong to him, he will pursue you. And I remember I had people praying for me. Uh, uh, one person in particular was sharing with me. She, she was sharing with me that God was fighting for me. And she had tears in her eyes. And I remember sitting across the table from her and just wanting to understand and believe that. I just was so gone in one sense. See, that's one thing, too. And in the past, I've attributed this to survivors of abuse, of trauma. But it, I don't want to just leave it and say that's specifically something that they do. Maybe we all have a tendency to do this. 
I had a way of just shutting off all emotion. I was a brick wall, like lights out. You cannot connect with me. And I could do that and just feel nothing. Of course, I felt something inside, but it was so locked off. The barrier was so thick that only God could get through. And I just remember sitting across the table from her and just wanting to understand, like, God fighting for me? First of all, why does God need to fight for me? Isn't he God? And why for me? I'm doing absolutely nothing that says he should fight for me. First of all, God has his armies. He, he has his people that he invites to come alongside the battle and to fight. It gives him delight for his people to choose him. If he just forced everyone to like him or to love him, that would be different. It's you love me because I'm making you love me. Also, he doesn't need my fighting or my assistance or anything that I do. He doesn't need it. He chooses it. He wants that. And that's part of the fellowship. And of course, we could get into deep theological things here. I don't know if I'm necessarily equipped to uh, do it in, in this particular place in time, but we can trust that God does fight for us. He chooses us. We're told that he leaves the 99 to pursue the one. And that's demonstrated in the parable of the lost sheep Jesus gave in uh, Luke 15, 4. He says, what man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the pasture and go out after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders, comes home and calls together his friends and neighbors to tell them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep. Now here Jesus says, In the same way, I tell you that there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous ones who do not need to repent. So do I think my salvation was lost? No, I don't think I was given over. I, I think my testimony now is evidence of that, the fact that I'm here today. But I will tell you, if you get out of the blessings of the Lord, the obedience of the Lord... And if he doesn't give you over, or until he gives you over, that very thought should terrify you to the core. There is a chance that, that he pursues you. He pursued me. And I can't fully explain this phenomenon. But I knew I was being pursued, and I rejected it for a long time. And it even got to a point where I felt that my situation was irreconcilable, that I had just messed up too much, that I had been too cold too long away from God too long, and that I'd gotten too deep into what I was doing, there was a, a point, and this is going to sound a little crazy, but there, there was a point where I knew I had to make a decision. Like I was trying to build this life for myself that was different, almost starting over. It was so confusing. I didn't even know what I wanted, and that was so evident. There were a couple of times where I just felt the intensity of the fight going on in me as I was so determined to have the success and not let go of it and that I deserved it and just angry, really angry at, at my husband even for, for not understanding, which wasn't fair. 
for me to put that on him and great discontentment with what life would look like without this thing I was holding on to or pursuing. I just felt like I I had to choose and I couldn't have both. I had a particular job offer that that was what I thought at the time was my dream job and it would have uprooted and upset our family so much for me to choose it. And I just remember I was actually, I was in the bathroom. I was in Hawaii. We used to live in Hawaii. And I just remember just pacing back and forth, just the hairs on my my arms, my back, everything just standing up on end. And I hadn't prayed in quite some time. And I was just crying out to the Lord that I can't do this. I cannot choose and I'm afraid for how much I love this thing and what may happen, but I can't let it go and I don't know how and I didn't deserve anything. And it was just that was a moment of me reaching up very soon after one morning, I was driving around our neighborhood to clear my mind and somewhat praying, but it wasn't like I'm yielded to you kind of prayer. It's just me really trying to plead my case of why I was right to the Lord. Let me say in that time, I had made the decision that I wasn't going to pursue that work. And it was so hard. I, I, in a way I had great relief in it, but at the same time, I was having a very difficult time with, well, now what, you know, kind of burn my bridges here. And now what, what, where do I go from here? And I was still so, just feeling so lost. But I don't know why, but I felt like I needed to get more godly influence into myself. And I had been so filled up with everything else from the world and my pursuit and fame and other people that weren't the best influence for me. For some reason, I searched and I streamed on a Pandora, some old worship music that I used to listen to back in the earlier days. Streamed some of that old music and I began to cry and I heard songs I hadn't heard in five or so years. And in the military life, it seems even longer because you'll look at five or so years and say, you know, that could have been two states ago or three states ago. or Really, sometimes it feels like three lifetimes ago. There's this some songs that were familiar and I just started bawling and I knew the Lord was speaking to me and I hungered. In that moment, and it all just came to surface, I hungered so much for God to speak to me, me personally, not just that whole God loves everybody scenario. And I said, Lord, if you're really speaking to me, and if it's true that you love me, the person, me, will you play this song? And I was thinking of a a song that um, I was thinking was my favorite song uh, of that time. So the song ended and the other one came on. And it's funny, he didn't play that song. And I could look at it and say, see, he didn't do it yet. But God, the song that came on next was a song that I had long, long forgotten And it was my ultimate favorite song. And I had forgotten it. So he, in his perfect character, did me one better. He played my favorite and forgotten song from the past. Total praise. And he used it to minister to me in that moment. 
I broke down. I couldn't handle it. You know, that moment I knew he was speaking directly to me. He did this such a precious thing. And it was in spite of my terrible bitterness and rebellion. Overwhelmed, I pulled over on the street. I put my head on the steering wheel and just began to sob. My sin was exposed clearer than ever. Even more, Jesus and his sacrifice, his greatness was magnified and exalted in such a personal and intimate way. And crying aloud, I thought, why would you do this for me? Why would you seek me? I'm a wretched woman. Look at the state of me. Look at the mess I've made. Who am I that you would love me so dearly? And it is in this state that I realize that with every breath gifted to me that I am helplessly and desperately dependent upon Christ. He is all hope. He is all help. And there is nothing that he cannot do. No pit that is too deep for him to reach into and pull us out of. But we must reject our sin and call upon him. And I realize this context of my testimony There's a lot of context of forgiveness, and I was the one who was angry at God. And it was God who, with his great attributes of patience and long-suffering, took mercy upon me for no reason I could claim. I had no argument to testify on my behalf. I was guilty that he would accept my repentance. This prodigal daughter and welcome me with open arms. The very fact that I am forgiven and that once and for all, Christ paid my atonement for my sin again and again. He draped me in his righteousness and I have no excuse to tolerate or to flirt with sin anymore. It is my duty to serve him. First John 1 9, I know we've quoted it several times. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I am so grateful he cleansed me. I could do nothing to advocate that I deserved it. I owe him everything and I can't do anything apart from him. So after that, I completely cut ties with anything that could ensnare me. I completely, you could say I dropped off the face of the earth in a lot of sense and just concentrated at home with my family and the word of God. I got up and I opened the word of God. Even in the very early stages, I would open my Bible. I would just do it before I could even think about it. And I would just start reading. And there was a place that I would sit and I would look out and I could see the sun coming up and I would talk to the Lord and I would do it even if, I mean, there were mornings, especially in the beginning, I felt nothing. I was still so numb, but I just did it. And what was amazing to me, though, was how quickly God began to heal all of that. Prior, I was convinced that I was just at a point of no return. It is absolutely terrifying to venture down that road for me mentally to think of where I could have gone. But he healed things so quickly in me and my relationship with the Lord and my relationship with my husband and my family and just my whole attention. But there was a couple of things that had to happen. I had to cut everything out, any chase. And it was hard. It was so hard. Uh, I put to death my ego 
Um, and I felt that death. I felt the bridges burning. And I could just imagine how many people were saying about me, that lady has gone crazy. Or what is she doing? Or she's untrustworthy. Look, she was going to do all this and this. And now she just disappeared. Like, what is that? All these thoughts, but I had to put it to death. I had to remove any routes of temptation or influence and just shut off from the world. And that's what I did. And for a year, I did really nothing else but pour myself into the word of God and prayer and my family. And thankfully, Ephesians 2, 4, 7 says, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. I'm just astounded by all of that, that God came to me on such a personal level and he has sense. And it's not that I am special or I get these particular revelations from the Lord. That's not what I'm claiming. But if we pray for it and we look for it, we will see evidence in our lives of God intimately interacting with us. He is just as interested in the little details of our lives as the big things. He is to be the center of our lives. And I just thank God for this personal way that he came to me and he rescued me despite my hardness. John 15, 16, Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. Ephesians 1, 4 says he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. God did not choose us because of anything inherent in ourselves. And that is, that's the miracle, isn't it? And we hear the story, the miracle of Christ dying for sinners. While we were still sinners, he first loved us, God giving his only son, and Christ overcoming death, that we might be reconciled to God. But have we experienced this in a personal way? He chose us out of his love and mercy and for his glory. It was in those moments that the reality of my sin, it broke my heart. And I know it's complicated because I had a time earlier where, where this also happened and it doesn't make me feel good to know that I walked with God for a few years and then got astray from him. And God had to teach me some lessons, including that we're never on this side of heaven. We are never at a point where we know too much or that we are so close with God that we couldn't deny him. And that I think that needs to be an ever present reality for all of us. Not that we're fixated on it, but it needs to be something that we understand. And I know for me, it was something that I needed to understand. First of all, God had to humble me. Remember that terrifying prayer I prayed in the beginning. There needed to be a clear understanding of just how dependent on him I am and what life looks like. If I try to venture and do things in my own strength as a child of God, furthermore, to keep me in check, to keep me coming back to his word, to keep me coming to him in prayer, 
today in in 2020. Uh, And I've spoken that one of the things that happens on a regular basis in the morning, I wake up and I ask the Lord, help me to get to you. Help me to press into you today. Order my steps, order my thoughts to be in your word, to live this day as worship, as a prayer to you, because I'm afraid of getting away. And it's not that I live in fear of getting away, but I am very much aware of the reality of just a little bit. I'll say that at that point, it just broke my heart what I was doing and my attitude and my pursuit of everything else and my rejection of all he had given me and all that he was done and all his promises and plans that he had for me, I was just absolutely rejecting. So I want to ask you, has your sin broken your heart? Was there a time in your life where your sin broke your heart and you repented and you made a defining decision and you left it behind? That if there was something that even questionably got in the way, that you were willing to give it up? Is there something like that in your life now that you're wrestling with that maybe you're not exactly sure if it's something you should be holding on to or you should get rid of, but it's placing you in this space where there's a gap between you and God? What are you going to do about that? How important is your relationship with Christ to you? Or do you believe that you're unable to drift? like the mistake I made years ago. And are your eyes fixed on the author and the finisher of your faith, Jesus, our Christ? Coming up next, things turn a corner as I wrap up my testimony in this series, Changing the Legacy and Walking in Pursuit of Holiness. If you've enjoyed this episode, Don't forget to subscribe so you can be notified when new episodes are released. Also, please feel free to rate and review our podcast and share it with all your friends. Thank you for spending your time with us. We hope you're leaving with a deepening fascination to fellowship with the one who has created you for his purpose and desires to show you more of his goodness every day. 